0: Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies?
3: Good morning, it's Friday the 5th of January here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Hewitt podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke.
0: And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, the Islamic State Group claims responsibility for the two explosions in Iran that killed more than 80 people.
3: Bloomberg has learned that Huawei's newest laptop is powered by a semiconductor made in Taiwan, not China.
0: Plus, how 82 billion euros of investment in housing across Europe is being held up by red tape, despite the shortage of homes in major cities.
3: Let's start with a roundup of our top stories.
0: The Islamic State group has claimed responsibility for yesterday's attack that killed more than 80 people in Iran. The explosions risked inflaming tensions further in the Middle East, with Iran saying it had been attacked because of its stance on Israel. Here's White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby.
1: We have seen the public credit now that ISIS-K uh, has taken for the attack uh, in Iran. We're uh, certainly in no position to, to doubt that.
0: Kirby also told the media about a US airstrike in Baghdad yesterday that killed an Iran-backed militia leader. It highlights the frequency of clashes all across the Middle East with US Secretary of State Antony Blinken travelling to the region beginning in Israel today in a bid to calm tensions.
3: US jobs data is out later today and someone is betting on the biggest rise in Treasury yields since last March. The options market was a buzz on Thursday after the emergence of a large bearish wager on yields rising to 4.15% by the end of the business day today. Friday's jobs report is expected to show US employers added 175,000 jobs last month. A strong report would add to evidence of economic strength that has already caused traders to pull back on expectations for a Fed rate cut as soon as March.
0: Huawei's newest laptop runs on a chip made in Taiwan, quashing talk of another Chinese technological breakthrough. A Bloomberg investigation found the tech giant was using three-year-old chips made by the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. This countered speculation that Huawei's domestic partner, Semiconductor Manufacturing International, may have achieved a major leap forward in fabrication technique. Huawei caused a stir in the US and China last August when it released a smartphone with a 7mm processor made by Shanghai-based SMIC.
3: And now, the Brits are reaping the benefits of higher interest rates. The news helps explain the country's economic resilience, but improvements could soon fade. Bloomberg's Tiwa Adebayo has the details.
0: £16 billion. Pounds. That's how much UK households have gained since the Bank of England's rate increases began two years ago. According to analysis from the Resolution Foundation, returns on savings have more than outweighed the increased cost of borrowing. Compared to previous hiking cycles in the 1980s and 90s, this time the public has been handed a, quote, unprecedented windfall, making up 60% of all household income growth during the period, say the think tank. But those gains could be about to dwindle as around 1.5 million homeowners face rising bills this year when their fixed rate mortgage deals expire and markets expect the BOE to make its first rate cut in May. In London, Tiwa Adebayo, Bloomberg Radio. Rishi Sunak has signalled that a UK general election will be called in the second half of 2024. The Prime Minister told broadcasters yesterday that the timing of the vote is his, quote, working assumption, but failed to rule out a poll in the spring. The government's decision to hold an earlier than usual budget in March had previously sparked rumours of a May election. Labour Leader Keir Starmer worries the Conservatives will play dirty in what will likely be a tough election battle.
4: Because the government has no record to put before the country, it can't say look at the great achievements. You must Want more of this because that would be laughable. Can't say we've had great leaders because they burnt through five, most of them now in disgrace, and so they will go low.
0: Starmer's comments come as the Tories try to close a twenty-point poll gap with the uh, ruling with the opposition party. Now, in a moment, we'll be looking at a story about the property market across Europe and why more than 80 billion euros worth of investments are being held up by red tape. But first, we wanted to talk a little bit about some of the further twists in this controversy over the resignation of Harvard. Protesters led by civil rights activist Al Sharpton picketed Bill Ackman, the activist investor's Manhattan offices, on Thursday, protesting his campaign to oust Claudine Gay as president of the university.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, This follows uh, Claudine Gay herself writing an essay in the New York Times, sort of, you know, defending herself Uh, on Wednesday effectively couple of really interesting pieces on the Bloomberg Terminal that I wanted to point our listeners towards. One is by Beth Coet uh, explaining why Harvard is the model for attacking corporate diversity, equity and inclusion strategies according to the Bloomberg Opinion columnist Um, Beth talks about uh, in her words how at its core the attack on gay in her view is centred on gender and race accusations of plagiarism criticism of the response of her response to the October 7th attack by Hamas uh, on Israel um, and the disastrous sort of congressional testimony played into the ousting of Claudine Gay um, according to this piece but when it comes down to you know Bill Ackman and his allies are agitating for a reversal of diversity equity and inclusion which has become sort of this major priority for American institutions look it's a really fascinating read Uh, you know um I think there are two distinct camps, it would seem now in the United States. Uh, and it's and it's also kind of raised the parallels between academia in the US and actually corporate America. And I don't think Europe sort of uh, will escape from this um, entire controversy either. So it's really, really fascinating.
0: No, certainly. And, and well worth read this morning. I mean, Beth pointing out that female CEOs are much more likely to be the target of activist investors, yeah. but a 50% higher likelihood, in fact, according to research, and that female leaders face great scrutiny scrutiny uh, than their male counterparts and she points out that all three of the university presidents that testified before congress last month were women over this issue as well uh, so this is a really well, interesting aspect of this this debate yeah
3: but it's also it's also race and gender um and al sharpton sort of leading this picketing outside of Bill Ackman's offices is very very significant. Talk about whether there's going to be a meeting potentially between civil rights activists and and Bill Ackman. Anyway it's all on the Bloomberg Terminal. Have a read I think yeah very interesting but very important uh, sort of controversy Let's move our attention, though, uh, back to our top story. As the war between Israel and the uh, Islamist Palestinian group Hamas has continued, it has stoked violence in other parts of the Middle East. Islamic State has claimed responsibility for Wednesday's deadly attack in Iran near the grave of Qasem Soleimani that left so many dead. The extremist Sunni group is ideologically opposed to Shia-dominated Iran. Joining us now to discuss uh, the latest is our Middle East breaking news editor Patrick Sykes. Good morning, Patrick. Thanks for being with us. The war in Gaza then has triggered more violence. What is the significance of the Islamic State attack in Iran, in your view?
4: Morning, yes. Uh, there's, that, there's that opposition that you mentioned, right? The uh, ISIS being a Sunni extremist group, both ideologically and religiously opposed to Shia-led and Shia-dominated uh, Iran, the the two of course also fought uh, directly in the region in, in recent years in in theatres like uh, Syria and Iraq, often led by Qasem Soleimani personally or strategically. Uh, he he being of course uh, or his his cemetery being the site of uh, this week's attacks. Right, so he was very much a face of. Uh, for isis iranian aggression against them in the region in terms of the significance this should be uh, ostensibly a sort of risk-off factor right it should help to isolate this uh this week's attack as a a sort of isis versus iran incident and nothing more regional nothing related to Hamas um, and Israel. Unfortunately, uh, the Iranian official position is that ISIS itself, and this has long been held, the position, is that ISIS itself uh, was created by the U.S., by the West, in order to weaken and divide Muslims and Muslim states in the region and therefore to protect Israel, And we saw just overnight President, Iranian President Raisi saying that no support or backing from any power will protect the agents involved in this murder. So the Iranians are still keeping up uh, this sense that Israel had some kind of uh, role in this. Of course, the U.S. Uh, saying that wasn't the case from the start and Israel, as it never does, not commenting at all.
0: Patrick, the US Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, travelling back to the region. It's the fourth time he's been there since the October 7th attack in Israel. It's another significant tour. What will he be hoping to achieve?
4: Yeah, it's another huge itinerary he's got as well. I mean, Turkey, Jordan, Qatar, UAE, Saudi, Egypt and Israel, plus the West Bank and Greece, just to top it off. I think that's testament to the amount of players with a, a stake in what happens here. And, and as a function of that, also, how difficult it's going to be to get things done, as we've seen in, in these uh, the past visits that you mentioned. His priorities are going to be de-escalation, and I think, unfortunately for him, the theatres on which he want to see that happening are only increasing. You've got Hezbollah on the border with uh, Israel and Lebanon. That Lebanese front was also escalated just the other day with, with uh, alleged Israeli strike on the Hamas senior leader in Beirut, far away from the border. He'll also be looking at the Red Sea, where we know Houthis have been disrupting commercial shipping, even despite this US-led force in the region. We had more incidents on that front just overnight. And then longer term, he'll be looking at the governance of Gaza once the conflict ends. So, you know, if the immediate problems weren't thorny enough, he's got that one to deal with in the longer term.
3: Patrick Sykes, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Middle East Breaking News Editor. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital
0: Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
2: Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that?
1: Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm
2: Skip Bronson.
0: We're going to turn to a story about Europe's housing market next. And as housing shortages cause rents and home prices to surge across major European cities, investors have the capacity to inject an estimated €82 billion euros into new residential projects over the next two years. But red tape is threatening to get in the way and restrict the flow of this money. Here to discuss what's happening is our residential real estate reporter, Damien Shepard. Damien, good morning to you. First of all, where has this €82 billion euros of potential investment in residential property come from.
5: Yeah, look, it's been a tricky year for European real estate off the back of high interest rates. But in the office and retail sector, there have been problems for a while. The work from home and online shopping era has led to investors wanting to shift their portfolio allocations. Now, as one broker put it to me, investors turn to beds when they don't like anything else. So, that makes residential real estate more attractive than ever now. There's a lack of supply, not enough existing stock. So, the money's there. But as you mentioned, there are some problems in the way.
3: So, what are the issues then sort of playing on the minds of investors who might otherwise be quite keen to put some money to work?
5: So, the main one is rent controls. So, some governments across Europe have stepped in to control rising rents in recent years. Let's take Scotland, for example, where landlords can only hike rents by up to 3% per year. Now, that can be great for tenants, but it can put investors off because it limits their returns, often doesn't make the numbers add up and sometimes doesn't account for surges in inflation. Now, there's similar rules in place across Europe in, in cities such as Dublin, Stockholm and Copenhagen. So, there's headaches across the board when it comes to rent controls. Another one of the big issues here is planning bottlenecks, and that's particularly a problem in the UK. Um, The way that the planning system is laid out in the UK means that Um, projects can either be delayed or rejected by local authorities. And that snatches away that incentive for developers to build and build. Um, Energy efficiency rules are also looming across Europe, meaning many buildings need renovating. Um, That can be a problem in countries like Germany, where the existing stock is very old, uh, which can put off investors from putting their money into the country. Timmy,
0: this is a huge political issue as well. What does this all mean for Europe's political parties and for for people who are either trying to buy or rent a home?
5: Yes, yeah, so so for citizens, this just brings more frustration for people wanting to buy a home or indeed just live in a good quality property. That's because poor quality housing and a lack of stock won't improve fast enough if the investment doesn't come. Now, look, the positive is the money is there to invest, and that leaves governments with big policy decisions to make in the year ahead. Take the UK, for example, where we've just found out that the election is likely to happen in the second half of this year. We've seen Labour and the Conservative Party locking horns on improving the planning system. And elsewhere in countries with rent caps like Scotland and Ireland, you'd imagine more questions will be asked to the political parties about whether the the balance of controlling rents for tenants um, is in line with the need for that investment for good quality housing.
3: Yeah, I mean, especially if you look at average rental growth, as, as you've done in terms of uh, property prices just in London, it's staggering how much prices have gone up. I mean, uh, is that something that's true across Europe, you know, the, the uh, increase in uh, rental fees?
5: Yeah, rents are rising. I mean, in our story, we've got a chart in there which shows some massive increases over the last five years. And like I said, that does make investment a really attractive proposition um, for these rich investors across the continent. But it is these policy decisions which they'll be looking at when it comes to making that decision about where am I going to put my money. I mentioned Scotland earlier. I've spoken to a lot of Developers and investors who've said we've actually avoided Scotland because of these rent caps. Why would we, um, you know, build a, a, a build to rent site in Scotland if we could just go uh, a few miles lower in Manchester? So it, it could lead to these decisions about some countries getting that investment and some not.
3: Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepker.
0: And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anker.
2: And I'm Skip Bronson.
1: And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get
2: Our Way, a brand new show from iHeart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun.
1: This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way.
2: Listen to Our Way on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.